If you would, remain standing, please, and turn in your pew Bibles to page number 574. We're going to be reading out of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Well, your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Do not ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars. As each one is filled, put one to the side. She left him. She shut the door behind her sons. And they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went, and she told the man of God. And he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Boldness. Well, before we get started, we've, we finished up our series on tools of the trade. And I just want to tell you how encouraged I was after the service last week and during the week of all these different people, just whether they sent me a message or they stopped and talked to me and told me about their journaling, things that they have written down, things that they have experienced. Reminded to go back and reread things. But I got notes all throughout the week. And that is just encouraging from my point of view. It's just really, really neat. But um, there was a great series, Tools of the Trade. Things that we need to grab a hold of and do as far as becoming the believers and the Christians and sons and daughters that God's called us to. But today I'm going to give you kind of a... This is... That points kind of how my mind works. You guys are going to get the inside look at this. You'll be totally confused by the time you leave, but it's okay. <clears throat> so, every once in a while, God will give me a word. And it's about what he's going to do in my life, what he's going to teach me about, or something along those lines. And, and the word was bold. Be bold. Boldness. And so... It all starts right there. So it's like it's kind of like when you go out and you buy a car, and then all of a sudden you see your car everywhere. Right? You know what I'm saying? That happens. Well, it's like the same thing with me. It's like boldness. And then everywhere I just see bold this, bold that. I mean, it was to the point where this, I, I had a ministry meeting one night, and this lady, who I really didn't even know, makes t-shirts. And she says, Lord told me to make you this t-shirt. On the back of it is a lion's head. And it says... The righteous shall be as bold as lions. Yeah, that stuff just doesn't happen, does it? And it is not a coincidence. It's God going, you're hearing me correctly. You're walking the right path. Keep going. So, when I think about boldness, the first thing that comes to my mind is arrogance. 
You know anybody that's arrogant? Yeah, no, don't call out names. But you know what I'm saying. Somebody that's arrogant. Arrogance, an exaggerated sense of one's importance. I love that. An exaggerated sense of one's importance. Yeah, you think you're all that in a bag of chips. Right? That's not boldness, just so you know. Boldness, the act of being fearless and daring, courageous. A bold leader. Courageous. Do you know someone that's like that? Sometimes we don't know that we are or we don't know that other people are until they end up in a situation that requires that. And then you have a choice. Fight or flight. Boldness. True boldness carries a characteristic, if I can put it this way, a confident humility. A confident humility. So like in the story that we read this morning, and I love this story, because it, for me, this is where God started leading me to teach me about boldness. First place he led me was this story. And I found it just interesting because here's a widow who's about to lose her sons into slavery. Her husband has passed away. There's a lot going on in her life, right? And she goes to the man of God, Elisha at the time, it's like, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? Well, what do you have? Nothing. A small jar of oil. Great. That's all you need. Now go and ask for empty jars from your neighbors. And this is my favorite part. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. And that just looked, I, I, it just made me turn in and look at my own life and go and look at the things that are happening and taking place with me and just going, you know what? Don't ask for just a few. Be bold. Did she really even know at that point in time what was going to happen? But if I was, I'd be figuring this stuff out and be going, okay, I'm going to have all these empty jars and I've got this little jar at home but certainly, I'm not going to fill all these jars up. But you get to the point, and she gets, gets to the point where, ask, ask. And maybe she would think along the lines of, well, I'll get a few jars. I wonder if that's enough. I wonder if I should ask for more. I've been asking everybody, Maybe word's getting around that I'm taking everybody's jars. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to take your biggest jar because I know you use that for this and this and this. And we get into these mental cycles, don't we? Of, I'm not going to ask for all of it. I'm only going to ask for a few because I don't want to inconvenience somebody. I don't want to offend someone. But she was at a point, and I've said this, this quote before, desperation provides an opportunity for demonstration. Right? Desperation 
provides an opportunity for demonstration. Was she in a desperate place? Yes. Did it open up doors for God to demonstrate his power to her for her? Yes. If she asked boldly. Me? Man, I don't care what you got. You got a cooler? Will it hold oil? I want it. You cook with that pot? You ain't cooking today. Can I have that? I, I need that. You got an empty coffee cup? Whatever would hold oil. That's where she was. Whatever, thinking outside the box, being willing to ask, because she was told, don't ask for just a few. Where are you in life? Well, I need just enough peace to get through today. Man, ask for an abundant abundance. Don't go to the ocean and drink from a thimble when God has all of that available for you. Ask big. Ask boldly. So then I go from that story. God takes me into Daniel. Daniel, famous story, right? What? He's in the lion's den, right? That's not where he takes me. Daniel chapter 1. He gets put into captivity along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a bunch of other people. And they are part of the nobility, so... They are going to be fed choice meat and drink and all from the king's table. And Daniels says, no, I, we're not going to do that. The boldness is, is that Daniel looks at the guard and says, no, not going to do that. And the guard's like, look, either you eat from the king's table or my head is, so you are going to have to do this. Daniel, in his boldness, understanding what God wanted him to do, goes back to the guard and he goes, let's do a test. Would you be willing to let me do a test? Ten days. Ten days, fruits, vegetables, water. Nothing from the king's table. And the boldness that you see there is his willingness as a slave to negotiate to get to the point where he knew that God wanted him. Now, could the guard just have taking Daniel out? Yeah. Because Daniel was already not following the rules. But see, we don't see that in the story. We just kind of breeze over it because we're just reading the... We're just like a rock on the pond. We're skipping across the top and we're picking up big bits and pieces of the story. But we're not... We don't put ourselves... We don't submerge ourselves into the story and in the realities of what these guys are facing. But Daniel is bold right out of the gates. And what did what happened? God answered. Again, Daniel's desperation wasn't like what the widow was facing. Daniel's heart, his desperation was to please God. That's how desperate he was that he would be bold enough to negotiate his food. And God blessed him. Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Big statue, 
90 feet tall, made of all kinds of metals and precious gold and all of this and precious stones and metals and all this stuff. Nebuchadnezzar decides that he is going to test the magicians, the satraps, the astrologers, all of this. And he's like, I want you to tell me what my dream means. Oh, yes, great king. Tell us your dream and we'll tell you what it means. Nope. You tell me my dream and tell me what it means. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> All of a sudden you just see them huddle together and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? I've got to figure this out. Ask for more time. Nebuchadnezzar, can we have more time? No. Then the edict, the law goes out across the land that all magicians and satraps and the astrologers and all of these different people are going to be put to death. Daniel was a part of that group. He was considered a wise man. But he says, hold on, let me go talk to the king. Now what did the king just do? He just gave a law that Daniel and his group of men were going to be put to death. But Daniel says, now let me go talk to the king. Do you know what he asked for? More time. Now see, that, that's a piece of information that would probably have been shared in the group as they were talking about that they were all going to die. Right? Man, we're going to die. My gracious. Well, did you ask for more time? Of course we asked for more time. But Daniel goes and asks for more time. Boldness. Boldness. And what did the king do? He granted it. Favor. Our boldness will produce favor, not arrogance. Our boldness will produce favor. And so then Daniel was given what the dream was, and he was given what it meant, which put him second in command in the country which led to the lion's den. But Daniel, in his youth and in his, what we would say, inexperience, was willing to be bold at the beginning. Boldness. Proverbs 28.1 The wicked man flees though no one pursues him. But the righteous are as bold as lions. But the righteous are as bold as lions. I kind of look at that verse and I'm, I, I'm like, the, the wicked man flees like no one pursues him. What it's talking about there is when you when you know you've done something wrong and the, the guilt just gets you and you have to just confess to somebody about what happened, it's not like the police are chasing the wicked. I mean, it's like the wicked man flees, there's no one pursues. The wicked man takes what he's done and flees from it, from his own self-condemnation and his own guilt. But the righteous are as bold as lions.
So as we talk about this boldness, how then do you get this boldness that's being talked about here, that Solomon wrote about, that we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, of all the testimonies, how do you get that boldness? Righteous. Righteousness. We had a conversation earlier this week um, about the disciples. Twelve disciples. One survived. Martyrdom. Died for what they believed in. Boldness. Righteous. But that righteousness seems to elude us. And at points, we don't want to be called righteous, do we? Because it's like a, well, you know, Ian's righteous. Righteous! No. Which would be cool, because then everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, I'll go surf, but I don't want to be known as set apart. I don't want to be known as holy, righteous, because then people will think that I'm, think I'm better than everybody else. Which, fact is, the opposite is true. If you are righteous and you are holy and you're considered that, then you're the one that would wash everyone else's feet. And so the enemy has just penetrated our churches and Christendom as a whole to think that righteousness and holiness is something that you want to keep at arm's length because you don't want everybody else to think that you're better than them. When the whole time, it should be something that we should be pursuing and wanting to embrace. Because it really positions us to be what God created us to be and to do what He wants us to do. It's not about being better than anyone else. It's realizing your faults and your mess-ups and everything else and that God and grace alone has saved you. But with that comes a boldness that when people experience that boldness in your life, they want what you have. And it's Christ. But righteousness is doing the right things and doing things right. Based on this. Based on the Word of God. So it's like we were talking about our journaling last week and that at points, we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord because the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? And it's like I was talking to you about my kids and my journals. You know, if my kids want to know what's in my journals, really, they can sit down and talk to me live. But there'll come a day when they're going to read my journals because I'm not going to be here. This is God's journal. These are His thoughts. This is His heart. This is what he thinks about the situations that we face during the day. There are his principles in here by which we live by. Too often, we get caught up in the, I got to do better. I got to do better. I am just, I, man, I have got to change the way I act. I have got to change this, I've got to change that. Don't we? We look in the mirror, we're like, oh my gracious, man, i got to work on. I flunked it today. 
I got to work on this. And, and we get to that point of going, man, I have got to change my behavior so that I can be more righteous. That's not it. Let me tell you. Righteousness is not behavior modification. It is heart transformation. Those are probably the biggest words I've ever used. <laughs> but think about it's not about behavior and modifying our behavior. Because once your heart is transformed, the behavior follows. It just does. And, and you can, we can listen to testimony after testimony that somebody will share, man, God just really pierced my heart or He shared something with me or something in me has changed. And then everybody else around you starts noticing it because your behaviors are following your heart. So righteousness is understanding what God talks about in His Word and allow, allowing Him to change your heart and your behaviors will follow. Does that make sense? And it's looking and going, so what is, what is my next? And one of the things that I'm learning and dealing with is to learn boldness. Boldness. Some of that boldness is modeled. And you see it. The end of April. I'm stepping away from here into what? A big six-figure job? Six, you know, uh, no. Into the palm of his hand to see what he's got for me next. Is that bold? Do I get to do it? Yeah. I get to. And all of us are stepping into, there's a next for all of us. What's your next? What's the thing that God is working on you with? And he's telling you, you know what, here's what I want to give you. I want to give you peace. Or joy, comfort, kindness. These are things I want to build boldness in you, Ian. So then I go back to the widow's oil. And you know what God says? Don't ask for just a few. Ask for boldness that would fill this. Ask for peace that, the Bible says, will go beyond all understanding. Ask for joy that flows over your cup, just pours out onto everybody around you. Well, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Ask for that patience that already lives in you to go beyond what you've ever experienced before. And it was so much that oil that she could pay the creditors and her sons and her could live on the rest of their lives. That's a lot of jars, isn't it? She talked to a lot of people. She was bold. And she didn't ask for just a few. She didn't let the fears of what people thought about her stop her from doing, for ask, from asking. 
I would imagine she probably didn't write everybody's name on the jar. Okay, well, I got this from the Johnsons, and I got this from the Thomases, and I, you know, she was what? At a point of gathering jars. That was her job. And don't ask for just a few. But that's where we are. Because God is moving and working in all of our lives. In unique ways, in quiet ways, in more public ways. Don't ask for just a few. What He has for you, don't ask for just a few. Ask for an abundant abundance. Embrace what He brings and put it into practice. But all of this boldness, in particular, starts with righteousness. And it starts with relationship. That's where it starts. So if you're asking for peace, then you know what? You're probably going to have to ask boldly for that. If it's joy, ask boldly. Ask boldly. It's okay. Ask. I tell my kids, because of a desire within my own heart to build a relationship with them, you can ask me anything. You can ask me anything. Except at 10 o'clock in the morning, hey dad, you know those, uh, those cookies that you made? Can I have a couple? Son, it is 10 o'clock in the morning. You said I can ask anything. And at points I realize, you know what, I've started to put conditions on it. Right? I put conditions on things. Well, you know, ask me questions that make sense. That doesn't make sense. You know you're not supposed to. You know, have you had dinner? You know, I'm reaching for whatever because I'm trying to figure out how, why can't he have a cookie at 10 o'clock in the morning? I do. <laughs> right? How many, I'm not the only one that just kind of strolls through the kitchen and goes, well, look at that. Huh, look at that. Have that cookie. What time is it? Eight. Oh, well, it must be good. We call that breakfast. And, we, you know, we all do it. But then I find myself putting conditions on their asking. And then I realize, you know what? I enforce those same conditions on me in asking. You know, it really doesn't make sense for me to ask for whatever. So I don't. And this is full of asking. And asking big. And asking bold. So don't let the conditions that we put at points, even on others, don't put them on you when you're asking your father for something that he wants to give you. Especially when he wants to give you whatever it is. Don't put conditions on it. Ask, ask big, and ask bold. If I were to say sermon in a sentence... I'm going to drill down past boldness and I'm going to get straight to righteousness. Righteousness, because that's where our boldness comes from. Righteousness is not changing your behavior. It's allowing God to change your heart. And then we go from there.
So, be bold. Learn to be righteous. It's okay to be holy. Be it. Father, Lord God, we thank you for our day, our time. God, I thank you for just being with us. I thank you, God, for your love that is abundant, that is great, that it is deep, it is wide, and it's ours for the taking. God, I pray that you invite us deeper into righteousness, into relationship with you in doing right, being right, and doing the right things. God, I just thank you for an opportunity to learn more about you. And God, thank you for pushing us. But God, I ask for each one of us this week to step out further than we've ever been and ask boldly and not ask for just a few. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.